So I knew he was sick. I didn't know the severity of the cancer for Eric Montrose was as severe that it was to the point where obviously today he lost his battle at the age of 52 with cancer. Um, and it stinks to have this. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Um, the outpouring of support for him, I, I can confidently say it's genuine and well-earned over the life of Eric Montross. And I, you know, one, of the, one of the theories that we've stated regularly here in the fast lane is how people talk about you when you're no longer around is not let them rest in peace. It's how you treat people shapes how people will remember you and refer to you and reference you when you're no longer around. You you reserve the right to to certainly set that up however you wish based on how you carry yourself in life. And to Eric Montross's credit, he was as thoughtful as they came. A star on the 1993 National Championship team for North Carolina. That, yes, the infamous Chris Webber timeout that we didn't have call. Um, the Fab Five of Michigan. And yet Carolina threw more of a team approach. And Eric Montross being a key part of that. But they won that national championship. Had a shorter NBA career. You know, nothing to write home about. And then came back to Chapel Hill as a broadcaster. The Carolina Radio Network up until the start of this past season. When obviously his condition was such that... Uh, he wasn't going to be able to do the games. And then, you know, additionally, did work with Westwood One. He was on the call for the infamous UMBC upset over Virginia, the first 16 seed to beat a one seed in NCAA men's basketball tournament history. And yet through all that, he was a great ambassador to North Carolina. You know, we mock the Carolina way in certain areas. You know, the idea of, you know, academic excellence, but yet clearly the athletes were taken care of in special ways. What? Hard to believe, I know. The the football players, you know, they, they were all in trouble for accepting under-the-table benefits. But, you know, some of the basketball players, I'm sure, just watched around and let it happen, even though guys like Rashad McCants clearly brought it up that that was not the case. But all of those snarky comments aside about North Carolina, look, there really was the whole concept of the Carolina way. Dean Smith and the fact that he advocated for social justice and doing what's right, even if it came at the expense of others. The, the idea of North Carolina and, and Dean Smith kind of popularized this, but you know you buy into the program long enough that you get to start on senior day, albeit not play very long, but you get to start on senior day. Some of those Carolina traditions, and Eric Montross was more than part of that because you know starting on senior day was something that you know he was going to do anyway if they had a normal lineup because he was that good of a basketball player. But the idea of respecting your opponent, treating them with class and dignity, that Carolina way. You know, I'll remember back, and it's it was weird going back into the archives, just in January of this past year, when Eric Montross was with us in the fast lane, and he was asked about his perception and the perception of the North Carolina basketball program as a whole that they add towards what Tony Bennett has built at UVA. Well, it would be, I guess it would be hard for me to, to speculate um, for what most people in Chapel Hill think, but I do think, and I know you're speaking more to the basketball program probably than anything, but I think that for me personally, I, I know that I can speak with full confidence on that end. Um, he, he's been an elite coach for many years. Um, when he came into the ACC, he came in by storm and pretty quickly was crowned coach of the year because 
he was so good as a coach. You know, coaches oftentimes are judged on wins and losses. If you look at how does their teaching translate to their players playing, and pretty quickly what you recognize is this guy can really coach because the message is not only being absorbed by his players, but his players are then doing exactly what he is asking of them. Eric Montross, that was earlier this year. Obviously, today he lost his battle with cancer at the, the way too young age, and that's not said lightly. That's you know at the way too young age of fifty two. But that was Eric Montross about Tony Bennett, and the way he was able to definitely answer the question with thought, which he did regularly. The ability to speak on behalf of the Carolina program, but also disengage from the fact that he, he was going to have his own opinion and not attach that to the explicit opinion of Carolina basketball. Uh, you know, as somebody that was clearly in an ambassadorial role, if that's even a word, um, as the, the color analyst of the Carolina radio network up until uh, the start of this past season. And so Eric Montross was able to do that. And then, oh, by the way, in answering the question, you know, acknowledging what our question was and, and kind of, uh, you know, giving his version of it that somewhat reflects Carolina but more reflects him, you know, the personal touch to that. And if you go out on social media, and I know it's dangerous to do anything on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram in general, but go to, go to Twitter and, and type in Eric Montross and look at the outpouring of support from colleagues, folks in the media, and the majority of what you'll get from people is something to the effect of he's an individual who treated everybody with class, who is never too big for anybody else. And when it comes from other celebrities, if you will, other respected people, that's one thing. But when it comes from people that, you know, are average people, I do think it means more because, you know, Oh, there is this culture out there with certain famous people where they only want to associate with other famous people. Anyone else not in that circle is beneath them, which is ridiculous. I mean, look, we're all human beings here. You know, we all go to the bathroom. It smells the same. We all breathe largely the same. We all have flaws and gifts and greatness. And Eric Montross was, was an embodiment of that. And that was what was really, really neat. And it's true. You know, West Durham tweeted this out. Our family will forever be thankful for the long, warm friendship of Eric Montross and Woody Durham. Eric's kindness toward my dad in the late years of his career and beyond, when you know Woody Durham was dealing with, you know, his memory loss, meant so much to Laura and their family. But all we will miss this special, gentle man, Jay Billis from Duke, fellow broadcaster as well. Heartbroken. Eric Montross was the nicest, kindest person one could ever know. A great player and champion. Husband, father, friend, and truly a wonderful, beautiful soul. R.I.P. Eric Montross. Look, I bumped into him you know, regularly at these events. And not everybody you bump into that comes with a level of stature, and I'm not talking about Eric Montross being a seven-footer. No, I'm talking about somebody that played in the NBA, won a championship at Carolina, clearly well-known and iconic in college basketball, to the point where he was not only great on the Carolina Radio Network, but also did great work for Westwood One and would routinely appear on their basketball games. There are people in that sphere that, again, don't give you the time of day, or you can kind of tell they're there and they're going to be polite because other people will notice that they're not polite and they don't want it to look badly on them. Eric was genuinely caring of other people. And that's what stinks about this particular news today uh, of him passing away. Not the most shocking news, 
because I knew he had cancer and I knew it was turning in the wrong direction when he stepped away from broadcasting Carolina games at the start of this year and they kind of had a temporary plan in place. But you know, still, it, it, the outpouring of love and support is, is it does genuinely speak to a guy like Eric Montross. And sadly, in this world, when you get an outpouring of love and support for someone's passing, that's not always the case. But it, 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 it was justified for Eric Montross, and that's something that you know. I, I know there's only so much comfort you can gain if you're you know part of his inner circle or family. But hopefully, the fact that people speak this highly and it's genuine, hopefully, can at least attest to the legacy that he leaves behind. Uh, there's no other way to transition to that, to the fact that you know there are times where you don't know what the unexpected will happen in your life with home insurance, with auto insurance, and that's why it's worth having a partner like Gardner Insurance Solutions there. They will shop your rate to get the best rate for you. Home insurance, auto insurance, it might be wise to bundle them and maybe even get an umbrella policy as well. It's a small add-on to make sure you're extra certain with Gardner Insurance Solutions, Old Forest Road in Lynchburg. Now, plenty of transfer portal talk. And by the way, if you want to weigh in on any of this, Fastlane, Nedlane, or Trey Lyle VT, or Ty Tracy 90 on our social media platforms. Yeah, it's tired of me, folks, so. I'm not tired of you. That's, I was just making a joke. There you go. Sometimes it just goes Ty's way over here. Ah, Get it? Wow. We're training, you know. This You're the, the one who, you used my strategy against me, Trey. Trey, I got to give you props for that, man. Yeah. You I gave, used. I shot myself. You played on that, words. Wait, that sounded really bad. Um, but you know, you you send a lot of strays my way, so I sent myself one. You sent a stray your way. Um, yes, cheesy as these commentary right. pieces are. Try to get this back that on the might rails. Be the worst dad joke I've ever heard in my life. You know, I got and plenty I like of them. them. I love them too. Cheesy as they are. Anyway, fast five at five ish begins right now. It's time for the fast five at five ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. You might as well just consider this a preview of covering the Commonwealth. But Reese Beekman, rescuing the Virginia Cavaliers, 21 points, including the game winner with just under six seconds left to help the Hoos escape Northeastern 56-54. to um, A game where for Virginia, you do enough defensively to keep yourself in this game. You're sluggish on the offensive end. I guess it's good to know you can win a game like this if you're Virginia when you don't have your A game. It's also good to know that Reese Beatman can step up offensively. And they got some contributions from Elijah Gertrude and Leon Bond. Uh, you'd love for there to be even more explosiveness for Gertrude and Bond. Um, a quiet night for Ryan Dunn, especially in the offensive end. That's disappointing if you're Virginia. But if anything as well, the fact that it was Beatman that stepped up is probably the least surprising element because he's the one contributor to Virginia who's gone through the... I know you can laugh at this concept here, especially in the day and age of NIL and the transfer portal. But he's gone through the exam break that Virginia was on and had to figure out how to balance that while still playing viable, competent basketball. And that's not always something that's easy to do. And for Virginia, they had enough of that last this past Saturday to escape with a victory. If they write the ship against Memphis tomorrow night and look better the remainder of the year, they'll be fine. But... This is one that you know, kind of file away in your memory bank. Maybe it's a one-off. Maybe it's worse than that. Number four. Here we go. Transfer portal updates. Elijah Serrett, the wide receiver for JMU, has announced he will also enter the transfer portal, joining 
quarterback Jordan McLeod, of course, the head coach Kirk Signetti, and many staff members, they have effectively entered the transfer portal and have gone off to Indiana. For Elijah Sarah, good contributor for JMU. It, it speaks to the cold reality of how you can have a good season in college football. And in a lot of cases, the school is left, proverbially speaking, or their fans, holding the proverbial bag. So for that, it stinks if you're a JMU supporter that you lose Elijah Serrett, but I can't blame him. The head coach is off. The quarterback that got you the ball is off. The offensive system is about to change. And you had a really good year. You're one of the best receivers in G5 football, Elijah Serrett was. I don't blame him for seeing what's out there and seeing if you can class up to a what is Power 5 now, but I guess technically will be a Power 4 program. Number three. The other side of the transfer portal, similar to JMU when a coaching staff leaves, but one that will have much more direct local impact on our broadcast that we bring you next Wednesday, starting at noon of the Military Bowl. Tulane's quarterback Michael Pratt, he too will be opting out of the bowl game. So the Green Wave, without their head coach, who's off to Houston, they will also be without their leading wide receiver and now their quarterback, Michael Pratt. Interim coach, a lot of player uncertainty, and we'll get to this in number two, but you're getting ready to battle a Virginia Tech team with a lot of players coming back. You know, I hate the idea of getting a worst of the number when it's gone from three and a half to ten and a half, but I get the move and still think that might not even be enough for a team like the Virginia Tech Hokies, given what Tulane is losing and the time that they now have to prepare being just a week for a Virginia Tech team that, well, brings a lot back, including one more. Number two. In the addition of Bay Shaw Tootin, or the return of Bay Shaw Tootin, the kick returner and the All-American kick returner, but wasn't all ACC, go figure. That's it. By the way, that is hashtag go ACC if you've ever heard something. But Tootin returns for Virginia Tech. Truthfully, I, I actually thought he might lean to going to the NFL, if only because you've got a guy that's off to the league, and if you're going to make that jump from Virginia Tech to the league, do it at that position. But for Virginia Tech, they get Tootin back and they get three additions today. You could argue they were all three top targets, Trey, in the transfer portal for Virginia Tech. They add Sam Brunfield, the linebacker from Tennessee who can play in the middle. Middle Virginia Tennessee. Tech, middle Tennessee and a middle linebacker. And Sam Brumfield for Virginia Tech. That was one of their most pressing areas because they had a bunch of guys that were athletic enough to play linebacker, but nobody quite had the instincts to play in the middle. Meanwhile, two defensive tackles. I don't like the size of the Juco Kamari Copeland, 6'2", 285, or Aeneas People, 6'1", 285. But Copeland will have two years of eligibility left. Peebles, the transfer from Duke, will have one year. But from Virginia Tech's defensive tackle standpoint, generally they go with shorter, squattier defensive tackles. I, if I, again, if I'm a, a Tech fan, I'd love to get the guy who's going from Florida State into the portal and has a couple of years of eligibility left and is more 6'3", 3'10". They would benefit from getting an extra defensive tackle. You surely wouldn't turn a third one away if you're the Hokies. You could still use extra bodies at that position. And the guy from Florida State would have multiple years of eligibility, just like the Juco kid Kamari Copeland for Virginia Tech. But these are two top targets at defensive tackle for Virginia Tech. They're two guys that fit more of the profile of Virginia Tech. Squattier, but quick burst off the ball and can also occupy some blockers to free up a linebacker like Sam Brumfeld. If I'm Virginia Tech, I feel like this is a really good day for your defense, getting upgrades at areas of need. They address the, you know, offensive line, defensive tackle, and linebacker were the three needs. 
and they've already addressed it in the portal. Um, I you know for for peoples you you already know or peoples I. I I'm botching his last name. Peebles. Peebles. All like right. the old department store in Alta Vista in Appomattox. You probably don't remember nope. this. Uh, Ty but, might. He doesn't either. Right. Way to age yourself there, buddy. Um, but I, I think uh, you, you think about this. He was a third team all all ACC. So you know he can play at an ACC level. You look at the ACC. You look at this schedule like, I'm going to keep saying eight wins so I don't over, you know, overhype our, our hopes. But... This is this is a good day. This has been a good three weeks for Virginia Tech, and it shows to me one that you know I, I'm not out here to say that the Virginia Tech NIL group will compete at the top end, but it could contend in the ACC, which long term would help them win full college integration or consolidation is going to happen because when you have head coaches saying they, that it should happen, it's getting closer and closer, if that makes sense. It does make sense. More on the Hokies, by the way, around 535 with David Cunningham of TechSideline.com after we discuss that basketball victory against Northeastern with Jerry Ratcliffe to kick off covering the Commonwealth. But... And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. The Liberty Flames busy retooling their own defense. They've added two defensive linemen. Alvin Williams from Colorado had offers from Charlotte, UConn, Marshall, Texas State, Troy, and UAB. They also had Rod Daniels, the JUCO defensive bat lineman who was being considered by New Mexico State, good coaching staff, as well as Georgia State, they were a bowl team, North Texas, Utah State, and Arkansas State. The two, though, that jump out to me the most, I'd say, for for Liberty, ECU linebacker uh, Taylor Jackson, the middle linebacker who committed uh, and had offers from Arizona State. They're recruiting at a higher level with Kenny Dillingham, along with UCF, Western Kentucky, and UTSA, of course, uh, notable programs in that mix, too. But Liberty gets Taylor Jackson, the linebacker from ECU. And, and the one I like the most is Eli Hall. 6'3", 280. He was a four-star prospect uh, and had offers coming out of high school from Auburn, Florida, Georgia. I don't know if that was committable at a place like that. But Penn State, USC, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and others. Even if we'll just say Auburn under Brian Horson, which wasn't great. Virginia Tech, Virginia, among others, this is still a really good player with the measurables, if you're Liberty, to bring onto your roster. We'll get into all these additions in greater depth Wednesday in our signing day special, as we'll touch on Tech, UVA, and Liberty on that day. But for the Flames, this is a nice day of additions to their particular roster and players that have come in via the transfer portal. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, we're not doing what he said and what he meant. We're going to table that one for tomorrow on the departure from Liberty Football. But when we return, more on the Who's, Jerry Ratcliffe, Hokies, David Cunningham, and Liberty Flames, Nick Pierce. To kick off covering the Commonwealth, this is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.